Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, fellow constitutionalists, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Dan Clements Show, a Christian political talk show. I'm your host, Dan Clements, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is October 26th in the Overlord 2017. Remember, we're hiding free PC, free zone. God is still in control, and he does love you, and we do what we do here at the Dan Clements Show, knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade folks of the truth. I'm broadcasting live from the Hemlock Studios here in the chilly central Susquehanna Valley, in the great Keystone State, sitting before the great John Wayne desk. And yes, I do sit during the broadcast. I didn't used to, but I because of energy levels, I need to sit during the broadcast, but I do stand up while I'm doing show prep and some of the post-show uh, stuff. So I am sitting before the great John Wayne desk, and if you're new to the show, uh, there are some videos in the archives on my YouTube channel, but basically it is a standing desk made out of pallets and plywood. And uh, the, the whole framework is pallets, the top is plywood, and there's some braces in the back and in the front are made of plywood. Uh, and my wife, uh, who is a, a very talented artist, uh, put in big black letters in the middle of the desk on the front, John Wayne. So I call this the John Wayne desk, just like the presidents have a named desk in the Oval Office. I have a named desk, desk here at <laughs> the Hemlock Studios. Uh, here in central PA. It is a chilly morning out. It's starting to get chillier. It's actually feeling more like October is supposed to feel like. Uh, we have had a couple frosty mornings, but nothing that nothing, no killing frost yet uh, that'll kill the grass and stop it from growing. I just mowed the grass the other day. Uh, uh, was it Tuesday? I mowed the grass, and here it is uh, almost the end of October, and I hardly ever, I can't remember the last time I actually did this back in, in the... Uh, uh, end of October, so I'm probably going to end up mowing the grass one, maybe two more times uh, before. Um, 
just something that is coming up. I'll let you know exactly when it's coming up, and we'll try to muddle through the show as best we can. Uh, or I may have to do the show later in the day. Uh, yesterday we had uh, contractors come over and look at the main roof. Uh, they went up, measured it, and uh, he chided me saying he should have replaced this uh, a couple years ago. And I said, because of time and money and stuff like that, it just didn't happen. Now we're sort of forced into doing it. So <clears throat> I hopefully today or tomorrow, I'll find out what the estimate's going to be on it to get the roof done. Uh, and they are, you know, they are Amish contractors. And they come highly recommended. So I'm, um, I'm looking forward to working with them. I, I got a couple other bids on the roof, and they were way high. All I want is the main roof done on my house. And I've had bids upwards of $20,000 to put architectural shingles on. So I'm looking forward to see what his bid is. And hopefully I have enough money in my uh, IRA uh, to take out to actually do that. Uh, excuse me for a second, folks. Sorry about that. I had a little tickle in my throat there. Uh, it's getting that time of the year. I actually killed a big fly in the office here, too. Just let you know that the bugs are trying to migrate inside the house. <laughs> so, um, as they know, it's going to get cold. So, when they start coming in, you know it's going to get cold out and everything. Um, today on the show, uh, we're going to talk about how the lamestream media is looking the other way again. And it's, you know, I, I, I didn't put again in the title. I just said the lamestream media is looking the other way. And, and you could always put again on there because if it's something to do if it's a story or an issue uh, that has something to do with the anti-freedom folks in the country or the Democrats and their supporters, uh, the, the social Democrats, the progressives out there, um, they give very little airtime or ink or uh, bandwidth on the Internet to those types of stories. And it always amazes me how some of these stories are very big that they do not cover but the other stories that they do cover and one of them is has been this russian collusion uh, with Don, president donald trump then candidate trump and how they've been uh, trying and trying and trying to prove that there was collusion and it seems to me this 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 humble humble political commentator seems to me the more they dig the more dirt they're actually digging up on hillary clinton uh, especially with this uh, uh, dossier uh, that was uh, supposedly the focal point or the kickoff point for this Russian-Trump collusion. Well, the latest news is, and you won't hear it a lot in the lamestream media, is uh, that the Clinton campaign actually paid, actually gave funds for this, what they call opposition research, and actually the SEC is uh, uh, looking, that's the election commission, um, they're actually looking into whether that was a proper expenditure of campaign or funds or not. And the, the stories I've been reading about it, it wasn't. But again, the lamestream media is looking the other way. Today we're going to be talking about the Uranium One scandal. I got a One American News Network video. Uh, you, like I said, you, you barely hear anything about this on uh, the normal channels of information from the lamestream media. And you're only hearing it from guys like me who are reporting on the, the new Main Street media uh, that, that get these stories out. Now, the, 
and this is this has always been a problem, especially with low information folks. What do I mean by low information folks? It has been my experience, and this is only my experience. I don't have any proof to this. It's just you know my running into folks. It seems like the more educated somebody is, the less information they use to make decisions. That's what I mean by low information. And there, and, and folks, there are low information people all over the place. It's not just with the educated folks. There are uneducated folks that, that choose to believe whatever the lamestream media says without checking it out, without verifying what they're saying is true because, you know, for, our lives are busy on purpose or by design, you know, or accidentally. It, they are busy. And people feel they don't have the time to check up on the lamestream media to see if what they're being told is true. So they just take it as gospel. They take it as true because why would the lamestream media lie to us? You know, do, you know, I don't believe that they, you know, this is what I've had people say. I don't believe the lamestream media has an agenda. I don't think they have a bias. I think they're trying to be fair and balanced and neutral. But all the evidence to the contrary is that true? So, these low information folks, either folks that are educated, non-educated, non-plugged in, non-woke, whatever you want to call them, they rely on the smallest amount of information that makes sense to them because it fits with their biases. It fits with their biases. And that's all they'll do. And some of them will fight to the death to defend that. Now, me and my friend Dave been uh, going, you know, uh, we text each other uh, on a, not a every day, but on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, he brought up a point about, you know, uh, sometimes we see the worst in others and the best in us. And I hope that is never the case with me. I hope somebody has the decency, especially a Christian brother, has uh, the godly love for me to stop me from doing that. One one of them, his name's Nick, he did. Uh, he made a comment that sort of changed the way I do things on the show. And, and as far as uh, not name-calling and stuff like that, I might use adjectives to describe somebody, but I'm not going to come right out and you know, attack you with names and everything like that. So, um, <clears throat> I, I do have a bias on this show. I'm conservative, but I try to also be fair. I try to look at both sides of the story. And the problem with looking at both sides of the story and making up your mind, making a decision, saying, well, this doesn't make sense to me because, one, they're not, they're not including any references or backing up what they're saying. They just, and this is, I found this a lot, especially in social media. Those who have college degrees, that are in what I call the anti-freedom crowd, the progressives, the Democrats, the Hillary and Sanders supporters. I, 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 found, I found this, I almost lost my, my train of thought there, that they, when you talk to them, it's their degree. They put this degree out there, this pigskin out there and saying, look, I'm educated, you're not, you need to listen to me. I found that so many times especially with my, uh, my, main, my main Facebook antagonist, that I do not have a degree 
I didn't go to college, didn't go to university, didn't, didn't take that time to do a degree. I don't have that paper hanging on my wall. Therefore, I need to just sit down and shut up because I don't know what I'm talking about. Evidently, my life experiences have nothing to do with my opinions about things, didn't shape my opinions or anything. And yes, I do not have a, a degree, but I've, I have a DD-214. Do you have that? I can bring that up all the time. Anybody that brings a degree up, well, you don't have a DD-214, so why should I listen to you? And I don't do that. And that's why I look at both sides of the story. I can't tell you how many times I've run into educated or quote-unquote educated folks that do not look at both sides of the story. What they do is if they see a source that I cite, oh, Breitbart's a good one. Oh, well, that alt-right website, why would you want to quote something like that? And then I go back and ask them. And I've gotten answers, some answers, but not very many times. I've actually went back and asked them, did you read the article? And either, either I get crickets, total silence, or I have had some say, yes, I read the article, but, and they always put that but in, but it's from a right-leaning publication. And, all, and sometimes they say alt-right publication, so it can't be believed, even though they put references in there. And everything that they put, like this article I'm going to bring up later on the show, I don't even know if I get to it, because this came up on uh, my social media with a, a cousin of mine. 18 major scandals in Obama's scandal-free presidency. Now, this was posted uh, January 2nd of this year. And uh, basically what it's saying, uh, it goes down from the first scandal to the, the last. And this and that may not be included. This Uranium One is, is one of these latest ones that are, is on that list, but it hasn't really blown up, and it's starting to blow up now. But they, ha they have a definite confirmation bias. They will not look at what they consider to be right-leaning publications, but they expect me to look at the left-leaning publications that they do. And guess what? I do. <laughs> if someone says to me a link and said, hey, you need to look at this, I go over and read this. Or I'll watch this. If they say you need to watch this video, I'll watch that video. I, I did yesterday on Facebook. It was about birth control. And they were talking about how they, how they need the government to, you know, uh, supply the birth control of these women. Because birth control isn't just about birth control, at least the pill. It does a lot of other things, and I know that. I realize that. However, most everybody has insurance that should cover that. Um, a lot of that stuff is very inexpensive. There's some medicines that I use, especially some allergy medicines, that I, if it's over-the-counter, I'd rather buy that over-the-counter. And save me and, and and save somebody some dollars because I'll tell you what, if you do your research, yeah, you might be able to get that through your insurance for let's say four bucks, because that's your copay. But you can go back, and I have done this in the past, you go back and look at your the cost of medicines and see how much they're actually charging your insurance company for that medicines. If you do that, oh my goodness, you the the, the insurance companies are taking being taken over the coals raked over the coals by these pharmaceutical companies. And if I can buy a, a generic brand that's over-the-counter, that does that has the same ingredients as the name brand or the, or the prescription of that, I'm saving, maybe I'm, maybe I'm paying a little bit more, and I'll tell you, my one is my Flonase. I take Flonase seasonally. Now, I can get that with my insurance card, and it's only 4 bucks, Or I can pay over-the-counter, and it's $14. 
So you're saying, well, or no, it's not $14. It's $24. Excuse me. It's $24. So I'm paying $20 more than what my insurance, you know, than what I would if I got a prescription. Yes. But when I go back, and even the generic brand, when I go back and look and see what they're charging my insurance company, it's like 70 bucks. So I did my due diligence. I actually went out and found some things. And, and, and like I said, people's lives are busy and they don't want to do that. And it's not that I'm blaming them for it, but please, when someone brings up a, a different point of view and you disagree with that, don't just disagree with that out of hand saying, well, that's a, you know, I don't agree with that news source because it's this or that. And don't, don't just not read the article because I did take the time to share it with you and I read your article. Read mine. Have the common courtesy to read my article. And then, then we can sit down and have an intelligent conversation. More times than not, you know, whether it's confirmation bias on my part or not, more times than not, when I get into a discussion on Facebook or Twitter or in chat rooms or comments underneath videos, if I get in these discussions, these what they're called threads, um, more times than not, I'm the only one bringing up actual facts and truths that, that weren't done by me only. Case in point, this one feminist site. Oh, you got to go to my site. Everything I got on there is facts. And I started researching the first few that, that they gave me. Some of them were Wikipedia. I, and on Wikipedia, they have references. And if they had references, I ran the references. And there was a definite bias in what she was putting on her website. She or he. It, I'm not sure whose website it is because they don't say who they are. And that's fine. If they want to do that, that's fine. I just... To me, you know, this anonymity on the web, uh, especially when you're supposed to be a quote-unquote teacher, I just, I, you know, I, I am who I am, like Popeye. I am what I am, all right? And I, I'm out here. I don't view it as a security risk. Um, it, it just, it doesn't bother me. I've talked to my wife. It doesn't bother my wife. You know, because she knows we're well protected here. And if you know, if you've been a uh, fan, fan of the show, listen to the show long enough, you know what that means. You know, that we're, that we're well protected here. So it just, like I said, it amazes me how many people just rely on one or two news sources and will not do any due diligence uh, to check them out. So we're going to talk about the Uranium One deal and, and it just uh, everything that they're reporting on this, on the new Main Street media, you're not going to hear that on the lamestream media. You, you're just not going to do that. So it, it does, uh, again, it does amaze me how many people will actually buy into that. All right, today's show is being brought to you by one of my affiliate marketers, GearXS.com. If you go over to DanClemmerShow.com and click on the GearXS.com widget, it'll take you over there to their website, and you get some fantastic, I mean just some fantastic deals. Uh, on there, and I was looking for uh, this morning. My my emails kind of messed up, so I didn't I couldn't find the newest uh, the newest one um, until just a few minutes ago. But over there they have um, uh, Galaxy by Harvick men's heavy fleece lined hoodies for forty dollars. They have two tone knitted scarves for five dollars. Um, let's see here. Bluetooth, I, this is great. Bluetooth gloves with conductive texting fingertips. So basically, you can, <laughs> if you have these gloves on, folks, 
you could hold them up. Remember like when we were kids, you used to hold the thumb to your ear and your pinky down to your mouth and make like a phone? Well, guess what? <laughs> These gloves will help you do it, and they're only $14, folks. And I've gotten some things uh, over the past year from them. Uh, they, they, are, they are exactly how they are advertised. They're decent quality. I won't say they're excellent top-of-the-line quality, but they're good quality for the price you're getting. And so, to me, to me, that makes it worth uh, the, the time to go over there. And if you like what you hear on the Dan Clement Show, you want to help support me, this is one of the ways you can help support me. Go over to thedanclementshow.com, my show notes page, and click on the Gear XS widget, and it'll take you to their site through my portal. And any purchase you make, uh, I make just a few pennies off of that, and it won't cost you any more to do that, just a couple seconds in time. And while you're over there, once you go through my portal, bookmark that page, and then when you go over and do more shopping, you don't have to keep going through my portal uh, to do so. Make it easy for you. Try to make it as easy as possible for you to do these things. All right, today's daily Bible reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, secret, in a secret place, or the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Basically what Jesus is saying, don't be hypocritical in your praying. You know, you don't need to be seen of men. Because you do that, and that's the only reason why you do it. You have your reward already, for the, and that is the praise of those men. Today's quote mail comes from Maud uh, Rodin. When you have nothing left but God, then for the first time you become aware that God is enough. We can go through our lives trying to collect all sorts of goodies, status, you know, toys, homes, money, and try to make that fill that God-shaped hole in our souls. But it's only when you have nothing left but God do you realize that God's enough. Today's short Bible lesson, I encourage the parents to go over and read this. It's by Brad Harib. Uh, he's a, a Ph.D. over at focuspress.org. He posted this on October 22nd of this, this month. He said, 16 lessons I'm teaching my kids about social media. And I was going down through there and reading that, and he, he does a good job. Brad's really good about these type of things, especially with family stuff like this. And we need to be teaching our kids the right way to use social media. And, have, and, and also having the right attitudes towards social media. You know, one thing, and before I get into the show here, one thing that always bothered me, and this, not always, but just recently started bothering me, was a couple months ago, they did a survey of school kids, and some of the kids said they want to be a... Uh, what do you want to do when you grow up to make a living? I want to be a YouTube star. Okay, it, for what reasons do you want to be a YouTube star? That would be my follow-up question, but I, I never remember seeing that follow-up question. What reason do you want to be a YouTube star? Um, me, when I grow up, yeah, I want to be a YouTube star. <laughs> I haven't grown up yet. Still in my second childhood. Um, no, I... I, I, I wanted to do, I've been doing something like this on Blog Talk Radio podcasting for years, since uh, uh, late 2007. Uh, in 2008, I joined um, Blog Talk Radio, but I was actually podcasting before that. I've been doing this for years now, and I enjoy doing this, and this is what I want to be doing. I like commentating on the news. I like giving my opinion, because I'm very opinionated. But that opinion is not based on nothing. That opinion is based on 
uh, facts, truth, study, common sense, logic, that type of stuff. So I want to make sure that I'm accurate in what I'm doing here. Now, let's get over to this um, uh, Uranium One. And before I, before I get onto the articles here, I do have a, a YouTube video. It's, it's entitled, The Podesta Group Manafort Mediated Russian Obama White House Uranium One Deal. And this is by um, uh, One American News Network, and it's a, it's a YouTube video. So let me get this set up, and we'll, be, and, and we'll get this going right away here. Paul Manafort and the Podesta Group mediated the uranium deal between Russia and the Obama administration. One America's Christian Rose has the story. New evidence suggests Paul Manafort and the Podesta Group helped Russian officials establish business ties with Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration several years ago. This eventually led to the controversial Uranium One deal in the form of pay-to-play politics. Russia would take gold warheads from the Soviet times, boil them down, turn them into peaceful uranium, and they would sell it to the United States. But that program was coming to an end during the uh, Obama years, and the Russians wanted a new form of commercial sales. Since June 2009, Russia's state-owned enterprise Rosatom became increasingly interested in the Canadian mining company Uranium One, which produces uranium in Australia, South Africa, and North America. Uranium One at the time was expanding its mining in the former Soviet Republic of Kazakhstan. Russia, despite already having a sizable stake in the company, wanted full control of it. The problem is that Hillary Clinton's family foundation, the Clinton Foundation, was receiving tens of millions of dollars from shareholders in Uranium One who wanted the Russian government to acquire them because it would be a financial landfall. A former senior employee for the Podesta Group said back in 2013 Manafort, a prominent lobbyist for the Kremlin at the time, was in regular contact with John and Tony Podesta. The Podesta brothers have been prominent allies and donors of Hillary Clinton, who served as Secretary of State under the Obama administration. Manafort and the Podesta Group helped Russian officials establish close ties with Clinton as they were convinced she would be the next president of the United States. While that's going on, a funny set of things happened. Bill Clinton gets a speech for $500,000 from the Russians. Uh, John Podesta's brother gets a contract uh, from uh, the Russians. John Podesta gets put on a company that gets an investment from uh, the Russians. Bill Clinton's foundation gets millions of dollars suddenly from people interested in these uranium deals. Subsequently, the Obama administration granted approvals to the acquisition of Uranium One by ARMZ Uranium Holding Company, a subsidiary of Rosatom. Hillary Clinton has repeatedly denied her role in the Uranium One deal, suggesting a lot more people in the Obama administration were also involved. There's no basis for any of that. The timing doesn't work. It happened uh, in terms of the support for the foundation before I was Secretary of State. There were nine government agencies who had to sign off on that deal. I was not personally involved because that wasn't something the Secretary of State did. The former employee for the Podesta Group says they believe the ongoing attempts to tie President Trump to Russia are baseless as Manafort's efforts had been focused on securing the multi-billion dollar Uranium One deal all along. Meanwhile, Russia hardly had any commercial interest in U.S. real estate or any political interest in Donald Trump whatsoever, as few would expect an outsider to the Washington establishment to go on and become the president of the United States. Christian Rose, One American News.
Hi, folks. Um, there's a lot of connections there. There really is. And I, I, One American News Network, uh, they, they are my go-to news network because they, they do uh, a lot of the grunt work that the lamestream media just refuses to do today. Now, I have this article here today. It's from Breitbart. Oh, no, that, that alt-right <laughs> news, news agency on the Internet, right? Hillary Clinton, Uranium One stories uh, have been debunked. And she pretty much, this is a one-minute video. Let me get this set up here, and I just need to uh, shut my mic off here and, and just play that real quick here. Okay, that's not working. Hang on a minute, folks. I'm going to figure this out real quick. Uh, window capture. Well... I, it, for some reason, it's not working. We'll stop that. I could have got that on YouTube. Basically, what she's saying is this is this is erroneous. During an interview with C-SPAN, former Secretary, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said the controversy surrounding the 2010 uranium deal between Russia and the Obama administration has been debunked. Uh, Clinton said, uh, I would say that the same baloney they've been peddling for years uh, it's the same baloney they've been peddling for years. There has been no credible evidence by anyone. In fact, it's been debunked repeatedly and will continue to be debunked. She continued, but here is what they are doing, and I have to give them credit. Trump and his allies, including Fox News, are really experts at uh, distraction and diversion. So the closer the investigation about real Russian ties between Trump associates and real Russians, as we've heard Jeff Sessions finally admit to in his testimony the other day, which he didn't, uh, again, they're twisting. That was a testimony in front of Al Franken, the comedian, right? Um, excuse me, Senator Al Franken, the comedian. Uh, the more they want to just throw mud at the wall, I'm their favorite target. Me and President Obama, we are the ones they like to put into the crosshairs. Uh, Sunday, Senator James Lankford said there will be, there's still unanswered questions in the FBI's current investigation into the uranium deal. So there's still questions. There's still ongoing questions in this uranium deal. Okay? Now, the World Tribune, um, now they're, for some reason, in the reader mode, it didn't come out. The uranium deal dwarfs Russia probe, implicates Obama White House and Clinton's. And this was posted on October 22nd. So this, the, the uranium one actually is dwarfing any other investigation that's going on right now, which is amazing to me. It is totally amazing to me that the lamestream media is, is giving very little lip service at all uh, to these stories. Despite the silence of federal agencies and major media, the implications of the Uranium One scandal involving the Clintons and the Obama administration is staggering compared to the allegations of Russians meddling in the 2016 election an analyst wrote. Now let me stop reading there. Why is it staggering? Because there, there are way there, 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 this deal actually went through. There was money. They're tracing money back that was given to the Clinton Foundation. Now she said this happened way before she was Secretary of State. But if the Russians were in bed with the Democrats, Obama, the Obama administration, and the Podesta group was part of the Obama administration, the Podestas. Um, the, her being Secretary of State could have been in the workings for a long time. And even if she wasn't Secretary of the State then, 
she was still part of the Clinton Foundation, was which was getting money from the Russians. <laughs> Bill Clinton was getting speaking uh, speaking fees from the Russians. And quite honestly, I don't know whatever Bill Clinton could say that would be worth five hundred thousand dollars for for a, uh, a speech. Uh, that's half a million dollars, folks. That's what could he say? <laughs> what can he say that you'd really want to hear? Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uranium deal with the Russians compromised national security interest. Andrew McCarthy wrote for the National Review on October 21st. The cool half million bucks that Putin regime funneled to Bill Clinton was five times the amount it spent on on those Facebook ads. The ones the media the media Democrat complex uh, ludicrously suggests swung to 2016 presidential election to Donald Trump. The Facebook ad buy, which started in June 2015 before Donald Trump threw his hat in the ring, was more left-wing agriprop, ads pushing hysteria on racism, immigration, guns, etc., than electioneering, McCarthy wrote. Mark Penn, longtime strategist for the Clinton political dynasty, estimated uh, that just $6,500 went to actual electioneering. By contrast, the staggering $500,000 payday from the Kremlin-tied Russian bank for a single speech was part of a multi-million dollar influence peddling scheme to enrich the former president and his wife, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, McCarty wrote. At the time, Russia was plotting successfully to secure U.S. government approval for its acquisition of Uranium One and with it tens of billions of dollars in U.S. uranium reserves. Now, in Hillary Clinton's denial, let me stop reading here, she says the timeline doesn't, doesn't work for her. But everything I've seen and everything I've been listening to, uh, the timeline has it that she was Secretary of State when all this stuff was going on. It wasn't before. She's trying to put blame on somebody else, if, if you notice this. Never, ever takes responsibility of, of things she's done, you know, especially if they're put in a bad light, like this Uranium One deal. Okay. Um, and there's there's other stories in here you can go look up, like this related story. Department of Justice uh, left American public in dark about the probe of Russian Clinton uranium deals. And that was October 18, 2017. And that was, that was under the Obama administration. Shh. Shh. Don't tell anybody. This whole Uranium One deal was under the Obama administration, but, but we're not supposed to know that. Lamestream media wants to keep that under under hat. <laughs> the Uranium One scandal is both a Clinton and Obama scandal, McCarthy noted. The Clintons were just doing what the Clintons do, cashing in on the public service. On their public service, the Obama administration with Secretary Clinton at the forefront, but hardly alone, was knowingly compromising American national security interests. The administration greenlight the transfer of control over one-fifth of the American uranium mining capacity to Russia, a hostile regime, and specifically to Russia's state-controlled nuclear agency conglomerate, uh, Ros- uh, uh, Rosatom. Excuse me. Worse, at the time the administration approved the transfer, it knew that Rosatom's American subsidiary was engaged in lucrative racketeering enterprises that had already committed felony extortion, fraud, and money laundering offenses. The Obama administration also knew the congressional Republicans were trying to stop the transfer, McCarthy wrote. Consequently, the Justice Department concealed what it knew. The Department of Justice allowed the racketeering enterprise to continue compromising the American uranium industry rather than commencing a prosecution that would have uh, scotched uh, the transfer. 
prosecutors waited four years before quietly pleading the case uh, out for a pleading the case out for a song in violation of Justice Department charging guidelines. Meanwhile, the Obama administration stonewalled Congress reportedly threatening an informant who wanted to go public. The Obama administration needed to make this case go away without a public trial, if at all possible, McCarthy wrote. Think about this. The investigation of Russian racketeering in the American energy sector sector was the kind of spectacular success over which the FBI and Justice Department typically do a uh, bells and whistle victory lap. The big self-congratulatory press conference, followed by the media invest in intensive prosecutions, and of course, more press conferences. But, he, but here are the crickets, and that's what I'm saying. Here are the crickets. Now, some of the developments uh, that are going on here, and uh, let me, uh, <clears throat> I know this is on the, on the wrong side. Let me, uh, excuse me. Come on, picture. Let's get over here for now. All right. This is, I use DuckDuckGo for my search engine because it's got ad blockers on it and you can't track your stuff on here. Matter of fact, uh, as a public service announcement here, I also use, it's called Brave Browser for my everyday browsing. It also has built-in ad blockers. It blocks links. It's, it's totally makes you anonymous when you're out there surfing. Matter of fact, a lot of the websites I go to, they have these pop-ups. Our websites, you know, depend on these advertisements. Please unblock uh, your ad blockers. Well, what they want to do is they want to unblock your, um, they can't count you as a, as a source looking at their website because it blocks the clicks and everything. That's what they want. So uh, and this is what I choose to do. You do what you want to do, but this is what I choose to do uh, with my Internet. Okay. Gag order lifted. DOJ says informant can speak to Congress on Obama-era Uranium One scandal. Now, can I say this without angering too many people out there? I hope that they have this informant in witness protection. I really do. Uh, and, and like I said, I don't have any concrete evidence, but it just seems to me that a lot of people have died around the Clintons over the years. A lot of people have died around the Clintons over the years. I hope they have this whistleblower in protective custody. Okay, I really do. And this whole this whole list is this, these are the news items on DuckDuckGo. This, this is sort of like going to Google News, but better. Um, you have here Senator Grassley, special counsel should investigate uh, potentially criminal activity surrounding Uranium One deal. Uh, racketeering is a serious charge, folks. It really is. And the. the and I read in that article where the, the American subsidiary was quietly ushered out, d ignoring FBI and Justice Department sentencing guidelines, you know, how long they're going to be sentenced uh, to serve, and for racketeering charges. It's already out there, you know, that, that Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, the Obama administration was dealing with somebody that was already convicted of racketeering charges. Okay, <clears throat> um, seven Uranium One facts every American should know. And this is about Breitbart, and this is something that, um, let, let me go over and get this opened up here real quick. Um, Hillary Clinton and the real Russian collusion uh, analysis, market, marketing, or making sense of Russian Uranium One and Hillary Clinton. This is by the Washington Post, and that's not a, uh, a, a real 
right wing source to be going by. And this is something else here too. There is a documentary out there, and now let me let me check make sure I'm not blocking anything. Okay, I'm over on the ad side of this. Uh, it's called Clinton Cash. Everything is for sale, and I haven't yet. I've yet to watch this. This is on my list to watch. Uh, I just watched the uh, the Red Pill Diaries. I think it was the Red. You know, I think it was the Red Pill Diaries uh, about you know the men's rights movement. Anyway, uh, so this is one that's on my uh, to do list. Seven. Uranium One facts every American should know. One, Peter Schweitzer broke the Uranium One uh, scandal. Two, the New York Times confirmed the scandal in 2015. Three, the FBI uncovered evidence that Russian money was funneled to the Clinton Foundation. Four, Clinton is now, or Congress is now investigating. Five, Bill Clinton was paid $500,000 for a speech in Moscow. Six, the Clinton Foundation took big bucks from the Uranium investors. And uh, seven, Senate Republicans want an FBI gag order lifted. And so this was written back um, 23rd October this year. So this is something that's still fairly recent. I would suggest you go look at this Clinton cash, everything's for sale. Uh, I've read the synopsis about it. I think think it will open up your eyes. So this is one of these things. And this, look, folks, I went down through this news, very little... Of this news is uh, on what you would call uh, the uh, I would call the lamestream media. Now we do have a Washington Post article here. Um, main, uh, MSN News has something in there, um, but very little. Everything else, Zero Hedge, uh, Slate has one today. And conservative media, why isn't anyone covering the Clinton uranium? Uh, I'm going to be looking at that one uh, to check that out. Maybe give you an update tomorrow on that. Because uh, I was trying to look earlier through that. So we have here, like I said, a lot of this that's going on, a lot of this that's going on uh, in the lamestream media, they're not covering this. It's, it's outlets like One American News Network and Breitbart and Fox News, these, these terrible conservative right, alt, alt-right websites that we just cannot trust so we don't read any of the articles and run any of the facts or any of the links and the references that I might put up in there. Oh, we can't do our due diligence because they're rotten people over there. They absolutely are. And again, if you're not going to be, if you're not willing to inform yourself, quit, quit putting forth opinions on these things. That's that's the only thing I ask. There's too many people out there putting their opinions forth that they don't know what's going on. They really don't. All right. Uh, well, that's enough about the uh, Hillary. Clinton stuff. I have this. I want to show you this real quick so I have a little bit of time. It's a fair wage pizza parlor uh, touting economic justice shuts down, lays off staff due to low profits. <laughs> and this is by Catherine Rodriguez over at Breitbart. Uh, another hall. You know, today just seems to be these, these are popping up on Breitbart for me. They don't every day. It's not my go-to source, but when they come up, they come up. Now, uh, it, the, the, <laughs> Let me set this up here real quick. Um, the pizza place is called Dudley Doe in Boston. Okay. And WGBH Public Television up in Boston did a story. It's called The Fight for 15. And they are part of this story. It's, it's a three or four minute video. So let me get this set up for you and uh, get that going. 
Workers across the country have been rallying for an increase to the minimum wage, a change which looks a lot less likely, at least federally, now that Donald Trump is moving into the White House and Republicans have control of Congress. There is a small but growing movement of socially-minded companies, though, trying to make that increase on their own. Christina Quinn shows us one local organization committing to filling the gap for low-wage workers. The irresistible aroma of pizza greets you as soon as you step into Dudley Doe, dubbed pizza with purpose. And that purpose is pretty simple, according to Luther Pinckney. We are trying to promote social justice through equal pay and fair wages for employees and staff. Okay, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound so simple. But Pinckney says the idea is to earn a living wage with just one job, a concept that is unheard of in fast food. At Dudley Doe, the starting hourly wage is $12.50, but the goal is to make that $15. That's an extra four bucks when the minimum wage goes up on January 1st. We want them to be able to live off of what they make from one job so they can be civically engaged, can be more engaged with their family. Dudley Doe is the latest social enterprise out of Haley House, the nonprofit that started out as a soup kitchen in the South End 50 years ago. They opened Haley House Bakery and Cafe in 2005. And Dudley Doe is further proof that their social-oriented model is working. The way I try to break it down most times is a simple pie chart, pizza pie. If you break it into thirds, generally you have the owner's profit, you have the employees and HR, and then you have supplies. What we're trying to do here is eliminate the, the owner's profit. Eliminating the owner's profit is generally not a priority for any business venture. In low-wage industries like fast food, what ends up happening is the taxpayers end up footing the balance, says Indra Gertler, a business professor at Simmons College. Instead of McDonald's providing for its workers, the government steps in provide for those workers. $153 billion to be exact. The UC Berkeley Labor Center last year dropped a report saying that taxpayers are subsidizing full-time low-wage workers with public support because their employers don't pay them enough. Meanwhile, though, the quiet but steady rise of B Corps, better known as benefit corporations, challenged traditional business models by making equality and sustainability their core mission. And they're successful. It comes down to leadership. And if leaders are willing to be transparent about their values and own their values and then get other like-minded people to share in those values and then decide how are we going to make a difference, it's leadership. For Luther Pinkney and his team at Dudley Doe, it's a no-brainer. We're looking to put more money into the people's pockets who actually do the work. Christina Quinn joins me now. Hey, Christina. I'm I so think. glad you included that thing about the $153 billion. Mm -hmm. For people out there who are taxpayers who say they raise the minimum wage, it's going to hurt me. Explain what you meant by that $153 billion thing. Right. So $25 billion in state uh, support, and then you have 127 in federal support, goes to over, I think, half. Over 56% of that goes to working families. These are people who are working full-time in fast food and even more than, you know, more than full-time, and they're relying on federal So taxpayers are essentially tax subsidizing money. those McDonald's yes. workers. Okay, fine. Yes. How many of these B Corps, I have to say I haven't heard much, how many B yeah. Corps are they all small? No, no, they're not all small. And Patagonia, you saw Patagonia. Oh, I just saw that. Was, yeah, 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 that's one um, of I mean, there are some big companies that are making social and environmental impacts the, the core of their businesses. How many in Massachusetts? 41. Oh, there are? Yeah. You know, there's also, well, I, I believe that $15 is the minimum you can live on. There's a downside, too. Yeah. The wages go up, but other things go down for yes. some of these workers, right? What's right. that? So uh, there was a study, actually, that came out of the UMass Boston Center for Social Policy this mm -hmm. month uh, that said raising the minimum wage to $15 will hurt families that rely on public assistance. Um, because they lose some benefits. They lose benefits. You know, we're talking about um, food stamps, a lot right. of support. And so basically, you need to be making 24 bucks an hour 
in order to be able to, you know, support Most importantly, how's the pizza? Oh, it's so good. It's Secondly, so delicious. where's the pizza? Sorry, Jim. Sorry, Jim. That's right. <laughs> Christina Quinn, great to see you. <sighs> I just... <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to get the names. I have the video linked there in the show notes page. I'm going to get the names of some of these other companies and see how they're doing. But, the, but what I'm talking about here <laughs> is Dudley Doe. Uh, a fair-wage pizza shop in Boston touting economic ju- justice will close its doors after failing to make a profit. Now, this video, fight for fif- the Fight for 15, was posted on uh, December 19th of last year. So it was after President Trump was elected. Uh, this, um, uh, oh, uh, wh- where did it go? Um the, the nonprofit organization that gave them their money is uh, given by Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. They gave them $100,000 to help uh, its operations, but even that was not enough to save the struggling pizza shop. So there they are. Uh, the challenge for Dudley Doe was to support itself, said Bing Broderick, executive director of the nonprofit Haley House, which oversees the shop. Despite the pizzeria's mission-oriented business plan, its mission to pay employees more Combined with the added expenses of culinary culinary and leadership training for its employees backfired as additional costs made it hard for them to beat the competition. Dad gum them free markets anyhow. They ought to be outlawed. <laughs> How dare there be competition in the pizza industry, right? <laughs> the Globe notes that three other restaurants in the area that opened around the same time as Dudley Doe are still open. A lot of the employees did not see the venture as a failed enterprise and are shocked and saddened by the company's closing. I don't think anyone is looking at it as a failure, said Dudley Doe, team leader Luther uh, uh, Pinckney. I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. I have to keep working. I, I've got my youngest son in private school, said Dudley Doe, employee Royce uh, Terrell. I've, I like coming to work. It was kind of a shock. Can I stop reading there real quick, folks? This goes back to our public education where we're not even teaching. I was taught this in high school, but but I don't think it's being taught anymore about basic economics. Now, I'm not talking about Keynesian economics. I'm talking about basic uh, Chicago school or Austrian economics, whichever one you want to pick, that actually looks... And Austrian economics actually does this better than the Chicago School of Economics, although there are a lot of similarities, and you go look these things up. The Austrian economics look at the individual and what they do economically. Any other type besides the Chicago School, uh, like Keynesian economics, what the government does and everything, they look at everything in the uh, macro instead of micro. They They look at groups, how the groups act instead of how individuals act. And, you know, they, they look at, you know, free markets, you know, how free markets are better than, than central, central controlled or centrally controlled markets because of the freedoms that the free market gives and the competition that makes things better. Okay. Um, Broderick says, despite the nonprofit's decision to close the shop, it is making a sniffing effort to help the staff find new jobs. Uh, many restaurants that are forced to pay wages above market value to their employees 
have had to raise prices, cut staff, or, or close shop. After New York passed the $2 minimum wage increase at the end of 2016, several restaurants closed uh, their doors and raised price or raised prices. When Seattle raised the $15 minimum wage, $15, it lost 900 jobs in the restaurant industry. So let's go over and, and open up this link that we have here. New York minimum wage law enforced higher prices in restaurant closures. Say it isn't so. Say it isn't so. <laughs> Folks, that guy, gave, Mr. Pinkney, gave that example of the pie. You got a third, third, and a third. Well, if you want to divide your pie up that way, that's okay, but you have to be realistic. There are fixed costs. Okay, you have, you have the building, you have utilities in the building, you have equipment, maintenance costs. You have supply cost of the dough, the, the sauces, the cheeses, the condiments that go on the pizza, uh, any you know, drinks, you know, soft drinks, whatever you're having in, you know, in the bar. Some bars have liquor license. They sell beer and everything. You have all those costs you have to figure in, right? And if someone else who is actually a free market person is looking at the, the wages of the employees, Anybody with, and, and folks, I don't say this to be mean, but anybody with an ounce of common sense or logic knows that restaurant food jobs are not meant to support families on. They never were and they never will. Because what's going to happen, and it's already happened across the states with other fast food restaurants, they're putting kiosks in. You walk up, you order it on the kiosk, and then you have a, a few workers in the back. And even that, you know, I, was, I, I showed, shared uh, last year about a machine uh, that they've in, they put in production that actually makes the hamburgers. I mean, puts the whole things together, the condiments on, and everything, and it actually gets it right more times than human beings doing the same job, and it does it faster. So you only need a couple people to run the actual fast food restaurant. And everything's going to be kiosk. So what is your minimum wage done? You've actually priced people out of the workforce. And it is not. It is not the job of the employer to be a social engineer. Businesses cannot run that way. And, and, and Dudley Doe is a perfect example. Uh, we go in here. This is by Tom uh Cicada on May 10th of 2017, the increase in New York City minimum wage is forcing some restaurants to close, or to either close up shop or raise their prices. According to a report from the Wall Street Journal, the New York City restaurants are suffering as a result of the $2 increase minimum wage that took place at the end of 2016. And that's Mayor de Blasio, an avowed socialist, folks. <laughs> It's going up too fast, said Jeremy Marin, the owner of a chain of Cuban restaurants. Marin said the minimum wage increase forced him to close two of his New York City locations and raise prices at his others. We can't catch our breath, he added. Uh, Angelica Kitchen, long a staple of the East Village, closed their doors after 40 years of operation in response to the increased cost of labor mandated by the new wage policy. I felt like I was being regulated in a way that took certain choices away from me that I felt belonged to me, rightfully as a business owner. Owner Leslie uh, McAcheron said, I'm not trying to undercut or underpay anybody, but I also don't know what's going to, what's coming down the pike. And, and folks, you cannot, and I'm going to stop reading there because I'm running out of time. 
you cannot, you absolutely cannot run part of your business under free market principles. What do I say by that? You have vendors you deal with for everything I just said that you bring into the shop. And, and including your electric, in a lot of states, including your electrical utility. You can shop around to get a you know, few pennies shaved off a kilowatt hour here and there. All your vendors work on a free market principle. If you have one vendor that starts charging too much for their products, you can go to another vendor that's their comp competition, buy the exact same quality or maybe even better for a cheaper price. And these vendors know that. Folks, I hauled a lot of food in my life as a truck driver. These vendors know these things. So we have one part, let's, let's use the pie chart. You have one third of your business that is running off of free market principles of competition. And then you have the owners and, and what they need to make to make a living. They, got, they have mortgages to pay. They have kids going to school, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, you got a part of that that needs to go to them because they own the business. If they're putting, they're putting forth the, the capital and the effort, and in this case, uh, Dudley Doe was not putting forth capital. Uh, it was a, <laughs> a socialist experiment to put that forth. You see what I'm getting at? If if it wasn't if if it wasn't for the foundation that gave them the hundred thousand dollars and they started it up on these principles, I don't think they would have lasted as long as they did. Because you cannot have one part of your business running on free market principles and the other part not. And that's called that's called and that's the third part of that pie is your labor force. Does that job warrant the fifteen dollars an hour? All things being equal. Now, the argument for $15 an hour is not a living wage. And again, I tell you that fast food places were never designed, never designed for people to live off of independently. Now, I know a couple, they're, they're probably in their 60s now. All they ever worked at was at McDonald's, the two of them. They were married. Uh, they combined their wages and they lived that way. They had a modest apartment. They had modest things in their apartment. Uh, yes, they went on trips once or twice a year. You know, they got vacations and they went here and there because they saved their money up. Uh, they were making it work, but they were living modestly. And what the social justice tyrants want you to understand out there is people should be, whatever job they take, they should be able to make a living off of that. They should be able to support their family with the one job, not having to go get two or three jobs. Again, that's not what that's not what these entry-level jobs are for. They were never designed to be that. They were designed to give you some work history and hopefully work into you some work ethics, you know, of, of being on time and doing your best and, and working all the time instead of goofing off, you know, develop these type of skills that are good for other employers. And so less than a year, this social experiment in pizza failed. And it failed because you cannot mix free market principles with non-free market principles in a business and expect it to survive. It doesn't work. There's too many, 900 jobs lost in Seattle. Uh, businesses shutting down in New York. You know, I can go, I can get more and more of these articles all day long and show you how this doesn't work. This arbitrary, it's got to be $15 an hour. It's arbitrary. It's subjective. There's no reasoning behind that. And, and even $15 now, the lady said on there, these people in, in the Boston area actually need like a $24 an hour job 
to make ends meet. So where's the where's the rest of it coming from? The taxpayers are subsidizing a lot of this stuff, folks. It's just, it's just miserable out there to have to deal with this each and every day. But uh, folks, use this as a cautionary tale, folks, of mixing government into economics where they don't belong. This has been the Dan Clements Show. I'm your host, Dan Clements, your constitutional warrior fighting for your right just to be an American. Remember, if you aim at nothing, you have, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day and God bless. And if you like the show, folks, please subscribe to it. Hit the notification button so you know when I put an episode out. And please consider supporting me on on, um, PayPal or Patreon. Have a good day and God bless and we'll see you tomorrow. Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.